one of the ways in which this can be helpful for creative thinking and process is, and I think often if you're sitting down to write or create, there can be a sense of stress and pressure of this is the time to be creative now, which doesn't necessarily create the conditions for expansive, open, creative thinking. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Will meditation help you become a better writer? Or will it help you become more creative? Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and those are questions we're going to answer in this week's podcast episode. Because I recently had the chance to interview the Chief Science Officer of Headspace, Dr. Megan Jones. Headspace is one of the world's most popular meditation apps and it claims over 60 million members across 190 countries. It's also the first meditation app that I used several years ago when I got into meditation for the first time. I got into meditation for a couple of different reasons. The first reason is writing demands that you spend a lot of time alone. And I noticed when I was spending a lot of time alone working on stories and articles that it wasn't necessarily good for my mental health. I'd actually start to feel a little bit depressed because while working alone without interruption is, you know, important if you're working on a story or an article, we still need some human company. And if you're a writer, it can be difficult to talk to those around you about the stories that you're working on because the creative process is so specific to the individual. So I started looking for a way to, you know, manage these low moments and difficult writing sessions. And one practice I found is long distance running, which I've talked about in previous podcast episodes. And another practice I came across was meditation. So I started meditating in the morning before a difficult writing session. And typically I get up and meditate for five or 10 or even 20 minutes if I had a bit more time before starting writing for the day. Or alternatively, if it was a particularly busy day, I would just meditate at the end of the day. And I noticed after a few weeks that this helped me manage low moods and it also helped me work around difficult problems in my work. And I'd consider meditation a key part of you know, my daily routine today. The second reason why I got into meditation was I read up on the literature and I discovered that meditating can actually help you become more creative and find breakthroughs in your work. In fact, some famous meditators include the filmmaker David Lynch, who meditates for 40 minutes a day. He embraces a practice called transcendental meditation. Arnold Schwarzenegger is another famous meditator, and I'd recommend you read his biography. And another famous meditator is the musician Nick Cave, whose albums I often listen to when I'm editing my work. These days, I consider meditation a key part of my daily routine. I won't lie and say I meditate every single day, but generally I hit five or six days out of seven. I've also written about my practice in the book, The Power of Creativity, if you're interested in reading more about it. When I started meditating for the first time, I actually watched a series of YouTube videos and tried to force myself to sit in a particular way on the chair and later in a cushion. And it was only after using the app Headspace that I discovered that sitting in a particular way with your legs crossed isn't actually what meditation is about at all. It basically involves focusing on the breath for, you know, an extended period or considering what you're doing with mindfulness. There are even types of meditative writing that you can try, such as free writing. And if that's something you're interested in learning more about, I'd recommend you check out the book Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg. And if you do get that book, the audiobook is a particular delight because Natalie narrates it and it feels like she's sitting right beside you when she talks about her meditation practice. 
All of that said, Headspace is probably the easiest way to get started meditating because they have a short onboarding course, which will teach you the basics. And once you complete the onboarding course, there's a second course around creativity that I took several years ago and which is certainly useful for any type of writer. For this episode, I interviewed the Chief Science Officer at Headspace, Dr. Megan Jones. In the interview, she explains how meditation can help creative thinking, and this is particularly useful for writers. She also provides some practical tips that will help you get started with meditation, even if you feel like you're already quite busy and you don't have any time. She explains what happens when you practice meditating for just three weeks. And there are a lot of other topics we get into, including the concept of mindful leadership. But I started off by asking Megan to explain how meditation can help somebody become more effective and more productive, even if they're feeling a little bit overwhelmed. So the mindfulness meditation is really about training yourself to have present moment awareness, which is naturally associated with more focus because you're essentially training your mind to be more aware, present, better able to let what could be distracting thoughts come and go rather than kind of going along for the ride with them and which causes distraction. So this training in which can be very brief on what we found with Headspace is that using the app for just 10 minutes a day over a period of either a single session, we see an an increase in focus associated with just 10 minutes. We also see what I would consider a, a compound interest effect of meditation practice over time with improvements in attention and focus. We've also done some very large studies, one recently that was published with the College of Policing, which had about 1,300 participants across five different police forces. And we found that Headspace was associated with improved job performance and increased well-being, increased resilience. These are all important because we know that when we are stressed, when we have a feeling of being burned out, that's associated with difficulty in productivity or decreased focus. So it's really this combination of being in a healthier overall emotional state, which comes from a practice of meditation, as well as training in attention and awareness that is really core to meditation. So if somebody wants to get started with meditation, but they're having trouble finding time for it because, you know, they're busy with work and they have a lot of stuff going on in their personal life. How will they fit it in? So my recommendation is, as an entrepreneur myself, start by layering mindfulness onto a routine that you already have. If you walk for 10 minutes, you could take a mindful walk. It doesn't need to start with eyes closed meditation. You can start with if you are, you know, when you lay down in bed for the night, rather than checking your email to the moment where your head hits the pillow, which is going to make it harder for you to fall asleep, you could try a wind down exercise that has a short mindfulness-based activity and technique that helps you, you know, kind of turn your mind off for the evening. You could start by integrating even like a five-minute meditation into your your morning routine such that you start the day with a healthier mindset and more presence, more focus, uh, more equanimity, which means a bit more emotional stability. And I think that what you see is when people add a mindful lens to their daily life, it could be taking a mindful run with one of our audio guided runs that we've made with Nike. It's a helpful, there's multiple front doors into this practice. And I think 
you know, where we ultimately want to guide people to is to a routine that they can maintain over time, whether that be a 10 to 30 minute eyes closed, closed seated meditation or a mindful activity. There's not a right or wrong way to practice. Our goal is to make this you know, ancient technique that is extremely powerful in improving our health and happiness more accessible for people. So one, maybe not a criticism, but people who perhaps haven't meditated that much would say that it, it seems like a practice that's very focused on the self or on the individual rather than people around that individual who's meditating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what would you say to somebody who says that meditation is too focused on the self? Well, I think anyone who's actually, you know, used Headspace as product I'd be surprised to hear that criticism from one of our members because our definition of mindfulness is about awareness and compassion. And Andy Puttycomb, our founder and you know, former Buddhist monk, who is our meditation you know, authentic teacher in the app, really talks about compassion as being, you know, you first apply that to yourself and it increases your capacity to have compassion for those around you. And that is really a foundational aspect of meditation. It is about being more aware yourself, which is a capability that inherently can be applied to being better able to sit with the suffering of other people, to put yourself in someone else's shoes, to have empathy, um, to have awareness of how your actions impact others. And we see these benefits associated with Headspace. We've done a few different studies where we've looked at the impact of three weeks of Headspace use, 10 minutes a day, on people's behavior towards others. One study found that people were more likely to help someone else in need, meaning they were more compassionate to a stranger who needed help after three weeks of Headspace. Another study showed that people were less aggressive in response to provocation after three weeks of headspace use. So I think, you know, a lot of these benefits that we often talk about around reduced stress, reduced burnout, improved focus, there's another layer of benefit is that when we're healthier ourselves, we tend to show up in a more compassionate way, you know, in the world. We're more likely to open the door for someone, more likely to listen when someone else talks and, you know, read their nonverbal cues around how they're reacting to what we're saying. So I think, you know, our goal is that we can invest at an individual level and create a change around us, this ripple effect. So one of the courses that I took on about Headspace first was about creativity. And it was particularly interesting Headspace course. So I'm just wondering if you, if you could describe some of the benefits that meditation can have on, you know, somebody who's perhaps writing a book or working on a piece of art or music. Yeah, it's one of our favorite use cases. And and we see a lot of enormously creative and talented people use the app. One of the ways in which this can be helpful for creative thinking and process is, you know, I think often if you're sitting down to write or create, there can be a sense of stress and pressure of this is the time to be creative now, which doesn't necessarily create the conditions for expansive, open, creative thinking. And so when you are better able to distance yourself or set aside those, those pressures, those expectations, the stress that might come along with you know, needing to produce something for a deadline, you're better able to create the right conditions for creativity to occur. And that's really what we see with focus as well, is when we're better able to notice our thoughts, to kind of quiet the mind, we can create the right conditions for creativity to happen. What about somebody who's finding it difficult to sit still while meditating because, you know, they're having 
recurring thoughts about something they need to do at work or elsewhere? How, how can they get into a practice where they can sit for five or 10 minutes? Well, I think it's one, it's a couple of things there. One, I would start and, um, and build up over time. If 10 minutes feels too long, start with three. If sitting for three minutes feels like too much, try a mindful walk. Our guidance around mindful walking is to start walking, to match your walking speed with the speed of your mind, such that you are not forcing your mind to slow down. You are meeting yourself where you are, accepting that, not trying to to change that. And then as you walk and as your mind starts to quiet, to gradually slow your pace. And so I think we often, people who are new to the practice feel a sense of tug of war with the mind. And what we would recommend is this is what you are training the muscle. If you feel that tug of war, drop the rope, be where you are. It is just about being aware that your mind is active. It is not trying to force your mind to be free of thought. It is really about this exercise of noticing and observing. So if you're restless and your mind is very active, that's okay. You might be even more aware of it when you're sitting and meditating in that state. If that's uncomfortable, there are other roads in, like actually moving your body at the same time, which I think is helpful for many people. A headspace, you know, advocates what I think you described as mindful meditation. Is, is that right? That's correct. So what would you say is the difference between what headspace is teaching versus other meditation practices? Uh, one that came to mind when I was I suppose researching for our interview was transcendental meditation. Right. So one is the duration of practice. The other is a transcendental and other forms of meditation involve can involve a mantra, whereas our the meditation techniques that are offered in Headspace um, are techniques that include body scan. So that's kind of scanning your body head to toe, um, kind of checking in with your body, breathing techniques, visualization, noting, which involves kind of labeling a thought as a thought, labeling an emotion as an emotion that can be helpful at starting to create some space between your thoughts and not take them off the truth. So the, but the main difference is we've distilled a set of techniques that we think are very approachable for the majority of people, um, given that our goal is to make this practice more um, accessible more means, and, and approachable for people who might find it a bit daunting to sit for 45 minutes or an hour. Headspace is on flights now, is that right? That's correct. We partner with quite a few airlines um, to integrate it into the in-flight experience. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. Uh, what about somebody who's, uh, you know, in a difficult position at work, perhaps they're managing a, you know, a large team and they're facing a lot of different challenges. Like what does mindful leadership look like? That's a great question. So I would think about mindful leadership is it's when we are better able to be present and we are less stressed ourselves, more resilient ourselves, we are actually able to show up for our teams in a more authentic way, meaning that we can align our day-to-day behavior as leaders with our values and our intentions, meaning that our stress doesn't spill out on those around us on our team. We can reduce it, manage it more effectively ourselves. Um, We can be more intentional in every kind of micro interaction that we have with our teams throughout the day. One of the benefits that I think is particularly important for a leader is by training your mind to be calmer, to be more focused, you can more easily toggle between the putting out the fire of the moment 
and the bigger picture. And so this kind of dual focus of, you know, being able to be in the weeds, in the details, um, but also see where I'm trying to go, where I'm trying to take the company or the team. Um, that dual focus is really important for a leader um, and to guide the team, help people through the day-to-day challenges while anchoring to that bigger goal. I mean, I think that's a lot of where resilience comes from. If you're in a company where you believe in the mission or you're working towards a big goal together, being able to hold that in your present moment awareness is really helpful for navigating challenges. We do see that leaders who practice meditation tend to be seen as more authentic leaders. We've done a study actually demonstrating that headspace specifically improves authentic leadership. So Headspace is offered to a mobile app and people can have, you know, complicated relationships with their phones because they can be a massive source of distraction. And yet Headspace is, you know, advocating mindfulness to using your your phone. So how can somebody kind of reconcile uh, the bridge between something that's distracting versus something that can help them become more present? Well, I actually love the irony of this. Um, It's ironic at the surface. So one, our belief is the phone is inherently neutral. Technology can be used in the service of our health and happiness. It can certainly be used in the opposite as well. And mindfulness is really about helping us be aware of how things make us feel. I can use, I can look at the photos of my family and feel a sense of like happiness and joy and meaning, or I can scroll through my email and feel a sense of stress and overwhelmed. We can create the experience that we want to have with technology. And um, we've actually shown that headspace use just for a two-week period is associated in, a, in an academic research study is associated with reduced compulsive internet use, meaning that people can actually are less addicted to technology, are better able to modulate their relationship with it um, when they use headspace. Why we provide headspace on all of the different tech platforms and the phone in particular is because we want to meet people where they are and give them an alternative to the things that they might do on their phone, which create, you know, take them away from their well-being and health and happiness. So one, it's really about access, meeting people where they are and helping people empower people to create an experience with technology that they want to have. So I use Headspace in the morning time. I, you know, I just got up a little bit earlier to use the app, but that's how I was able to kind of build a habit. Um, do you have an ideal early morning routine at the moment? I do. I, I use it in the morning and we actually have a 10.05 meditation every day at our office. Um, we use Everyday Headspace, which is the, the meditation course, which changes every day. There's a new topic. So I actually really enjoy using it with my team. And so that shared experience in a group. We also use it at the beginning of many um, larger team meetings at Headspace. So we've tried to integrate it into our you know, workplace experience as well. It must be a pretty calm office place. So, <laughs> You know, we're still a company. <laughs> yes, it is. It is pretty calm. We're quite fortunate in that we really do try to practice what we preach. Okay. Okay. I, I'm just curious, Megan, you've mentioned some reports that on academic papers that you've been involved with. So from a writing point of view, how do you balance, you know, writing academic papers, which I'm sure take a lot of time versus, you know, your role in a company like Headspace? Like, how do you find time for it all? Well, it's a good question. You know, actually to reduce conflict of interest and make sure that the research on Headspace is completely unbiased and of the highest, you know, academic caliber possible, 
all of the papers I've mentioned are done by external academic collaborators. So we're not actually involved in the execution of those studies, the authorship of the manuscripts, because I wanted to distance our science team. We consult with them on the design of the study to make sure that they are, you know, using the most rigorous designs and we can help them with that given our team has a lot of experience in digital health research. But, you know, for me, I think in terms of balancing it all as, you know, running two of our businesses and having a young family, it is really about making every, being present in every moment that when I'm home, I'm 100% home. When I'm sitting talking to you right now, I'm not thinking about the next meeting I have to go to. And so I, I personally, um, I used Headspace actually when I was starting my first company. And so I use, I've used the app for about six years now. <laughs> find it enormously helpful in enabling me to be as focused and intentional as I can be, really showing up my best in each moment. But my day and does involve quite a bit of set shifting in terms of I might be talking to you, then I need to go address an issue with a person or go into our management meeting. And I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs' lives are like. But I personally believe I benefit um, tremendously um, and feel like I do show up as my better self at work and at home when I am you know, maintaining my routine of at least 10 minutes a day. And finally, Megan, if somebody wanted to get started with Headspace, I know there is an introductory course, but aside from the introductory course, what, what would you recommend they take? Or do you have any personal preferences based on what you think would be useful for somebody who wants to become more creative or productive? Well, I think that our basic course is designed to be an onboarding to meditation. I think that's a great foundational first 10 days, at least, I would say at a minimum start with basics for 10 days. That's what we actually include in all of our research studies. We, if, if we're trying to research the effects of Headspace for stress reduction or authentic leadership, we still begin with that foundational course. And then we go into more like topic-specific courses. If that feels like, okay, well, I still have to sit down with my eyes closed. I'm not so sure about that. Then I would look at some of the mindful activities that we have because there's a wealth of different ways that people can start to understand what mindfulness is all about in a way that is maybe more approachable for them. So that could be through one of our, our sleep. We have a, quite a breadth of different sleep offerings. Um, even our sleep casts start with a wind down. So that can be a more approachable way for many people to start mindfulness-based experience whether that translates into meditation is, uh, you know, for each person to determine for themselves. But it could be starting with a mindful walk or one of these audio guided runs. I generally encourage people, if you're going to start an entirely new habit, try to, to anchor it to something that is an already robust routine so that you're not, you know, kind of building the mountain from scratch. And if you can do it with another person, even better. There's a lot of research showing that when you are practicing this with another person, you have an accountability buddy. We do have a buddy's capability in the app where you can kind of cheerlead each other on, that that also helps people get started. Yes, good advice about linking it to another app or another habit that you might already have. It was very nice to talk to you today, Megan. Likewise, Brian. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please leave a rating on the iTunes store. And if you want to accomplish more with your writing, please visit becomearitertoday.com forward slash join and I'll send you a free email course. Thanks for listening.